Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Oh, what a morning. We had an unreal Sunday in the NFL. We had Hembo's World Series Nightmare. We have our Powerball Billions, and we have the seven most magical words in sports. Say them with me. J-E-T-S. Jets. 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 Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. All right, our one place to start, as our usual here on Monday. Rex and RC, good enough to hang out after we wrap up, get up. What a delight. One place to start, brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash GreenyZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We'll get to the Jets. We'll get to Justin Fields. I want to talk about the two legendary quarterbacks first. RC, one could argue that, look, in that division, you can't say that Brady couldn't have still won it if they lost yesterday. But that felt like something, like the, the magical finish yesterday, that drive from Brady at the end to go down and beat the Rams. Rex commented he looked 10 years younger after that game in that press conference, like the weight of the world. Yeah. What did you see from Brady at that finish yesterday? Well, you saw that he's still Tom Brady and that Tom Brady understands how to diagnose the defenses and attack them in any way at any time of the game. When you look at the way the Los Angeles Rams were playing uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to get that seam early was huge. And also, that was a great pass. He led them perfectly. He bent them inside and allowed him to get down after making the catch. The rest of it was Tom Brady using the sideline as you're supposed to and taking what they give him. He used Leonard Fournette early because they did have a flat defender. He was able to get out of bounds. And then Scotty Miller two times. And obviously, the final play puts it right on Otten for the touchdown. It shows that, one, Tom Brady's never going to give up. And there's never a point in the game where you can relax when he's playing for you, for the opposite team. And I think we finally saw that this year. And Rex mentioned it on Get Up. He looked 10 years younger in the, press, uh, the post-game press conference because the dude just loves winning. Yeah. He's yeah. been miserable because he hasn't been able to do that. He threw 58 so passes true. yesterday. But Rex, what we, what we really dove into on the show today on TV was – you know, the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champs, and I understand they've got a million injuries, they've got a million problems. But I had a real issue with the way they coached the finish of that game. Not only the defense that they played that allowed Brady to go right down the field and give him the sideline on three consecutive passes, but then also just making no effort to get a first down at the finish there and, and being satisfied to make them use their timeouts and punt it back. They did not try to get a first down and win the game. That, that felt... That, what did you think of that? Greeny, I mean, 100% I agree with you because it felt like to me like they've always had the go-for-it mentality mm-hmm. in the right now, go-for-it-yourself. And the way they handle free agency, the way they handle their drafts, all these type of things, all about winning. And this was a the thing they didn't want to lose. And to me, it showed in the way they handle that situation. Where was it, man? Where was this guy? We call him, we crown him as one of the greatest offensive minds or whatever. Can't you get one first down? You yeah. get one first down, this game's over. And I was shocked that they they went it, out and said, I'm gonna make I'm gonna give Tom Brady, by the it, way, Tom Brady yeah. the, the ball back. It almost seemed like they didn't understand at where what place they are in this season. They didn't understand that they needed this win. They didn't understand how important this was to keep them in the NFC West race. They didn't play that way. They played like a team that won the championship last year, and it's like, oh, if we don't win it this year, then it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They did not coach aggressively late nor play that way. No, I, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it was my dad would have called a chicken bleep. Yeah. It, they were yeah. just right. begging the clock to run out. And and look, Cooper Cup sliding instead of trying to put his head down and go get a first down. Because, and I don't blame him. Cup right. is phenomenal. But clearly he had been told, 
the priority here. Get a few yards and get down. We're not trying to get a first down. We're just trying to run as much clock and make them use their timeouts. Part of that is that Brady had to use a timeout on the offensive series going in before they didn't score on the previous one. If they had three timeouts, I actually think the Rams would have been better off had they had three timeouts. If, Absolutely. if the Bucks had three timeouts, <laughs> yep. then they would have had to have played for the first down, and they probably win the game because they probably would have gotten one. So and that, I, I had a real yeah. issue with the way the Rams handled that whole situation. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. On the other side, RC, uh, you played against Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. We've a million times told the legendary story of how <laughs> you, you had a play perfectly diagnosed and he still beat you because yeah. he's just so freaking good. Yeah. Was yesterday the worst game you've ever seen him play? Never seen him play like that. And, and, and it wasn't even just about decision-making. You know, sometimes decision-making comes into quarterback play and they make bad decisions. Aaron Rodgers was throwing the football to the right place. Aaron Rodgers wasn't good enough physically. And the one thing we've always said about him is that when it comes to that, when it comes to placing a football, when it comes to driving a football, when it comes to being able to have the football go exactly where it needs to be every time you need it, that's why we love Aaron Rodgers. And so for yesterday for him to be short, for yesterday for him to be off target, is something that we just hadn't seen. And we've talked on Get Up ad nauseum about how he's kind of passed the buck about, well, we need to be better. Offensively, we have to do this. Guys got to get open. This and this, we got to block. Well, yesterday was on Aaron Rodgers. And we've been able to say offensively, they've had 99 problems, but the quarterback was not one. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess now they have 100 problems because the quarterback is. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right, RC, you talk about being short on the ball. Not once but several times in this game, at least yeah. four times in this game, he was short on it. And this is the guy with one of the greatest arms yeah. that we've ever seen, the most accurate quarterback that's, that's ever done it. And to me, I, I'm not so sure that there's not something bothering him mm-hmm. physically. Yep. I know there's something bothering him from a team standpoint. He has no trust in some of his receivers. Right. Albeit the last throw of the game, it looked like he expected Watkins outside, he's inside. Right. Like, so there's still that major problem. But this offense, to me, looked disorganized, Greeny. And and the reason I say that is they don't break the huddle until 12 seconds, 12, 15 seconds. And that's not how Aaron Rodgers orchestrates an offense. So, to me, something is wrong there. And I think physically there might be something uh, wrong with Aaron Rodgers. He's got a thumb. I mean, he hurt the thumb in that last play against the Giants, what feels like 10 years ago in in that game in London. And and he's still kind of shaking it and all the rest of that. But yesterday was a new low. And they lose – again, I I can't emphasize this enough. The Detroit Lions – we're averaging. I actually went and I had nothing else to do yesterday, so <laughs> I did the math. <laughs> I did the math. I added up and then I divided. They were allowing 33.5 points per game going into that yesterday. They had not allowed fewer than 24 in any game. And the Packers managed nine. Yeah. They scored Single one, crazy. one touchdown. It was ridiculous. All right, Greeny, RC, and Rex. Now let's get to the two things that really stood out for me. Let's start with Justin Fields. Holy smoke. Yeah. I mean, RC, just. Go. He, the, that, the, that was, uh, it was unbelievable. The, the last three weeks, we've truly seen like the totality of Justin Fields' talent, right? The way that he can use his legs to create plays, how, how explosive he is in the open field. But you're also seeing what he can do throwing the football because now as a defensive coordinator, you have to worry about being assignment sound in the front end, but also on the back end, being able to play man-to-man because you want to have an opportunity, whether it's a spy or have an 
an opportunity where we can have eyes on Justin Fields. That's very difficult. And you start to think about if you give this kid, one, a defense that can stop anybody, oh, but also players on the outside that can make plays. Think about the last play to Equiminius uh, St. Brown. That's a perfect throw. It's a sidearm throw where you change the angle. He's on the move. That's supposed to be a first down, giving his his team an opportunity to get the win, and they let him down. And we sat here during the Dallas Cowboys game, and it was countless times that Rex and I were saying, hey, they just got to make a play for this kid. Right now, you have to be extremely excited about where he is, but also the way that Luke Getze as an offensive coordinator has changed the way he schemed throughout the week and called plays on game day. You know what I, th- I think? I think every GM in the National Football League should pay attention to the development yeah. of Justin Fields. Why do I say that? Well, I, I like to bet on talent, mm-hmm. not just on who's going to come in as a rookie and play to a certain level. No, no. Always take the talent. Mm. And if he can reach it, you just mentioned it. If Justin Fields reaches his his ceiling, as we talk about, he's better than all the guys. Better than all year. of them, not yep. even close. Better including than all of them. Trevor including, Lawrence, by the way. Including Trevor Lawrence. Like we, we, well, this came up very briefly on the TV show yeah. today. And look, and no disrespect to it, Trevor Lawrence, was drafted into a situation where he had a coach who literally did the worst job I've ever seen ever. a head coach right. do yeah. in my life with Urban Meyer last year. So give him a total pass. So he, he for all intents and purposes, remains a rookie. That's fine. He is a talented kid, and I wish him well. And he'll probably wind up being very good. I've never seen him have a day that looked anything like no. what Justin Fields did yesterday. No, me. Well, guess what? The NFL history, we've never seen a, a, a quarterback, quarterback yeah. run for 180 <laughs> yards right. Like, are you kidding me? And, and, oh, by the way, threw three touchdowns yeah. with a horrible offensive line, very poor weapons, yeah. and he's doing it himself. But the reason I said that, too, he's not alone. The, the guy named Josh Allen yeah. is yeah, another guy like that. Yep. How about Patrick Mahomes? Another guy with that kind of upside. And when they reach that potential, you're you're going to be a perennial uh, playoff contender yeah. for the next 10 years. Yep. And that's why you chase the greatness. And that's why you, you get – you if there's ever another guy that comes down the road like Justin Fields, take him first. When San Francisco played Chicago, I said – if you are Kyle Shanahan, you have to, I'll tell you the early season, you have to be thinking you drafted the wrong guy. And mm-hmm. I, I said it in a tweet because it was only one or two plays. This kid, going into his last year at Ohio State, I said, I don't know who I'd take out of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And he didn't play as well in his last year. So I was like, okay, I'll take him too. And then Zach Wilson comes off the board. You're hearing Mac Jones could be three, but they take Trey Lance. And then he falls all the way past the top ten. His upside is higher than all of those guys, but I do feel you had to have the right pieces around him, and it seems, at least from a coaching standpoint, now he does in Chicago. Starting to get it right. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. And then, and then I will then, Rex, address this one to you because – the last time the New York Jets had a win that felt anything like what yesterday felt like, you were the coach. The, yeah. the, the organization has not had a win of that magnitude since then. And here's what I liked the most about it, and I'll give you guys the floor. That was not a fluke. No. Like, if you watch no. that game, like sometimes, you know, the, the game the Jets won week two against Cleveland, that was a fluke. Right. A ridiculous thing happened. Uh, multiple ridiculous things, including an onside kick. The Jets were very lucky to win that. There was nothing lucky about yesterday. In the second half, they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides. Quarterback played smart and well and learned from last week. The coaching is excellent. The talent is excellent. That was not a fluke in any way yesterday in New Jersey. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And we're going to see the Jets in the playoffs this year. Yeah. And that's what's going to be awesome. Haven't seen it since 
since I was the coach, the coach. Of, I That's mean, correct. a long, long time ago. This is the best defense the Jets have had since, since I was a coach, too. Yeah. And the thing I love most about it is they only have to rush four. Look at the pressure. Greeny, you talk about dominating the line of scrimmage. Five quarterback sacks and 15 pressures against Josh Allen. Yeah, all right. And then you flip it on the other side. They're going against the best defense in the National Football League in the Buffalo Bills. And our quarterback, uh, all he does is throw for over 70% completion rate, no interceptions. And by the way, they ran the ball when Buffalo knew they had to run the football. They ran it anyway to the tune of about 10 yards a carry Mm -hmm. in that fourth quarter of the game. So to me, an amazing game. But get used to seeing it, Jets. You know, Jet fans, because right now, easiest schedule in the AFC the rest of the way. And, oh, by the way, we don't need an easy schedule. We just beat the best team in the league. Yeah, they have a bye, and then they go back to New England for the redemption game. What do you think, R.C.? Well, one, I, I love the, the – I had an advanced math teacher – the stick to Mm-hmm. Right, you get down to the Buffalo Bills, a team that everybody's picked to win the Super Bowl. You can pack it in. You can say, "Oh, we're the same old Jets. This is the Buffalo Bills. We can't beat them." What they did was lean on what they can do well. They played great defense. They rushed the passer. They mixed up some things on the back end, and they ran the football down the Buffalo Bills' throat. And Rex knows this better than any coach that has ever coached in this game. If you can play defense and you can run the football, you can find ways to win playoff games, and they do have a talented passer. So I love the progression of this team. It actually seems early for them to be playing this well. This is a playoff team, and it's a playoff team that people aren't going to want to see because of the style of play. If I'm Rex, if I'm Greeny, I'm feeling really good about our team. Yeah, by the way, every team in that division has a winning record. It's the only division that the Patriots are in last, and they're 5 It's the AFC West. It's what we thought the AFC West (laughs) would be. It's true. And the AFC West has two teams that are terrible, and I, I I, I am going to do the entire radio show today because I was able to get a late enough appointment. I will be at the DMV for the name changings. So um, <laughs> my wife is going to be Sala Greenberg. Yeah, I think we can call her Sal. You oh, know, I like that. Work, I like that. Stevie's going to be Sauce. Right. Uh, my daughter's going to be Garrett, because that feels like it could be a girl's name as well as a boy's name. <laughs> and I'm going to be Quinnen. Because, oh, <laughs> Quinnen Green. Oh, just call, just call me Q. Oh, that dude. He's the defensive Q. player of the year. I, I mean, who's the defensive player of the year in the NFL right now? Uh, Michael Parsons. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. He's right up there with him. Matt Judon's pretty good, too. He's that yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quinn and Williams is in the discussion, he not is. only for what he's doing individually, but for what he means for that front four as a whole, both in the pass, in the run, but schematically what you can call. Think You think Rex Ryan wouldn't be a monster if he didn't have to bring people to get pressure? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. The only question I will ask about Micah Parsons is, does he play for the Jets? No. Then that's your answer. No okay. <laughs> and Quentin Williams is my answer. Right. You're the best. RC, Rex, I love you both. Thank you both. We'll come back. I got my takes coming up, plus Hembo's penance on the way as we roll on. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greenies Takes. All right, every Monday at this time, we start it with my five biggest takeaways from a Sunday in the National Football League. I will tell you that my entire family is in Evanston. Stay stayed. The kids had parents weekend. The dog is in Connecticut. I sat in my house by myself and watched everything that happened in the NFL yesterday without moving. Because the Jet game was going really well, so I did not allow myself to move for long stretches of time. So there's nothing that happened in the NFL yesterday that I have not seen in detail. Here are my five biggest takeaways. Number five. Justin Fields is by far the best quarterback from that class. I love Zach. I love the improvement that we saw from him yesterday with the Jets. I really have high hopes in his arm talent that he could turn out to be a really good player. Trey Lance, obviously the book is out. Mac Jones, I think, is exactly what we thought he'd be. He has the opportunity to be a good quarterback, but does not have the next level. His ceiling is too low, to use an overused phrase. The only question mark is Trevor Lawrence, and I will just say this. I've never seen anything from Trevor Lawrence that tells me he's better than Justin Fields, either in college or in the pros. I know everyone fell in love with Trevor Lawrence as a freshman. That was his best year. He's a terrific player. He was a terrific collegiate player, and he has a chance to be an excellent quarterback. But I've always said I thought Fields was better. I watch every game he played at Ohio State. To make, to make a big deal out of his final year is ridiculous. They played like five games because of COVID. And then, oh, by the way, he beat Clemson in the playoff. Despite getting hit in the hip so hard, I thought he might never get up. Uh, and then he loses to an Alabama team that no one was going to beat. Justin Fields should have been the first pick in that draft. Certainly should have been second. And I've been saying it at the time, and you're seeing it now. He runs with the ball better than any quarterback besides Lamar Jackson. And the only guy better that I've ever seen than the two of them was Michael Vick at his best. And that's it. And his he has a cannon for an arm. And when he gets it all figured out and they put the pieces around him, he's going to be phenomenal. He's not going to be good. He has a chance to be great. He just needed not to be ruined. And I was afraid they were ruining him. And now I'm not afraid of that. So Justin Fields is the best quarterback from that class, and I, I don't think it's even close. Number four. Uh, Tom Brady is not dead yet, but the Rams should be ashamed of themselves. The Rams handed them that game. That was the most scintillating, terrible football game I've ever watched in my life. It was excruciating. Did you watch all that game yesterday? I did. Mm-hmm. There were only two games going yesterday, that one and the Seattle game, so I didn't have to watch on the red zone. I've got just the two games on the regular TV, so I, you see every snap. That Tampa's offense is horrific. I've never seen a team less able to run the ball. They're just terrible, and they look on different pages. But I will say this. Because I do the draft, 
Kate Otten, I know everything. I actually went back and looked up my notes on him. We thought he was going to go in the second round. He fell all the way to the fourth. He's the tight end who caught the big pass on that last drive and then caught the touchdown at the end. He went to Washington. He had 91 catches and nine touchdowns in his college career. He's fast. He's good. And it has taken a little time, but maybe he is going to develop into that weapon in the middle of the field that Brady has always wanted. He doesn't have that guy right now. Godwin is a little bit that guy, but he's not really. He's not Welker, he's not Edelman, and he's certainly not Gronk. So Otten might become that guy. But anyway, the story to me is not Brady. The story is the chicken bleep coaching of Sean McVay and the Rams at the end. Their last offensive sequence was a disgrace. You're telling Cooper Cup, even if he's got a real chance to get the first down to slide, no matter what, they coached that game like they were terrified of their own offense. And, and look... Maybe that's justified, but you can't beat anybody if you're going to do that. If you're that afraid with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup on your team to try and get a first down and end the game against Tom freaking Brady, you have no chance. So I thought that was a joke from them yesterday and crossed them off the list. They are done because they don't believe in themselves. Number three. Three on my list of uh, takeaways from yesterday. Kyler Murray, and I was in a lot of airports this weekend, has the exact body language of a person being told that their flight has been delayed and he is going to miss his connection. That's what he looks like all the time. I was, I've spent, <laughs> we had some, <laughs> yesterday, delightful. Saturday, not so much. We had a little bit of planes, trains, and automobiles without the trains or the automobiles on Saturday. Whatever, that's life. But you, you know what it's like when you're in the airport and you're cranky because stuff is going on and you see all the other people who are cranky for all the same reasons? Kyler Murray looks like that all the time. Somehow we have a picture of him smiling on our screen. I don't know when we got that. Someone must have tickled him to make him do that because he never smiles. He always looks aggravated. And I don't know. I, I, I'm no expert, but that team is a mess. He's yelling at people. That Arizona is terrible. That game was there to be won yesterday, um, and they just couldn't win it. Uh, Geno Smith is terrific, by the way, and I'm, I'm loving watching him. But that was my observation about Kyler Murray. I hear all the time about the body language and all that kind of stuff. And yesterday, I watched it all, and it's all 100% true. My top five takes. Number two. Stick a fork in Aaron Rodgers. After 31 years, it is over in Green Bay. Uh, This team is terrible. They are unimaginably bad. And yesterday, he was part of the problem. And I don't know if that's his thumb. I don't know if he's just checked out. Rodgers may be looking at this thing and saying, you know what? We're done here. This is over. We have no ch- They have no chance. Literally no chance. There's how 10 teams better than them in the NFC, and the NFC stinks. The NFC is awful. Every team in the NFC East is better than them. I think every team in the NFC West is better than them, and the NFC West is bad. Uh, and, and, and in his own division, Minnesota's way better. Chicago's about to be better. I, and Detroit just beat him yesterday. So they're fin- completely finished, and he's going to be 40 years old next year. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is coming back for another year of this, but after 31 years of first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback play, I think this is over. I think this era in Green Bay is over, and I have bad news for you, fans. You're about to find out what all the rest of us, how life is for all the rest of us. Football is very different when you don't have Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. So that is my takeaway number two. And then obviously... Number one. For me, it's the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Let's just lose the music on that for a minute, uh, Bubba. And I'll just give you a- another minute here. I, what, I, what I said earlier when we had Rex in our seat here 
the thing I liked the most about the Jet game yesterday was that it was not a fluke. There was nothing about that game that was an accident. The Jets were the better team in the second half. They dominated the line of scrimmage. And there were very few hard, fast rules that haven't changed over the 100 and whatever it is, three years they've been playing pro football because they've changed all these rules and offense and passing and everything. But there's one hard, fast rule that remains and always will. If you dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, you're going to win 90% of the time. And the Jets did that. They dominated on the, with their defensive line, which is excellent. And they were all over Allen and didn't have to send extra people to do it. You do that, I don't care how good your quarterback is, he has no chance. And on the offensive side, when they got the ball on their own four-yard line with seven, whatever it was, left in that game, and I'm thinking, oh, God, we're going to punt from the back of our end zone. This is the same old Jets. Not anymore. They ran the ball down their freaking throats, even though Buffalo knew it was coming and they couldn't stop it. But you know who gets the game ball of that game for me? Game ball of that game. Quinnen Williams, unbelievable. Sauce Gardner, unbelievable. Garrett Wilson, unbelievable. The game ball to me goes to Michael LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. Because after the disaster that was Zach Williams' performance, uh, Zach Williams, Zach um, uh, Wilson's performance of last week, did you see the changes they made? If you watch that, get the ball out quick. Back, but not giving him any time to do anything stupid and crazy. Back foot, get it out. Back foot, get it out. Get it out quick. Two seconds. Get the ball out. Don't put him in a position to make mistakes. Run it. Even when it's not working, keep running it. Don't let Zach be a problem. Build up his confidence. That was a huge step forward for the quarterback after the week that he had last week, and I give the offensive coordinator an enormous amount of credit. So for keeping receipts as Jet fans, as they like to say, I was very, very skeptical of that offensive coordinator last year. I don't take back a word of it. I, everything I saw, I saw. He has imp- leaps and bounds. That guy is an excellent offensive coach. And Robert Sala right now is a sneaky, interesting pick for coach of the year. Like we have said all along that the two candidates are Nick Sirianni with what they're doing in Philly and uh, Dayball, Brian Dayball with the Giants. I-, I think you have to put Robert Sala's name in there, and he absolutely deserves it. If we're keeping receipts, the Jets coaches have done an outstanding job this season. So those are my top five takeaways from the Sunday in the National Football League. Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Let's get Hashtag Crew takes. The assembled members of the Hashtag Crew are assembled around me. Bubba and Nuno are in Bristol. Hembo is here in New York. Hembo, we'll save the baseball stuff for later. Give me your number one football takeaway from yesterday. So there's now only two teams in the NFL that have not lost multiple games. Those teams are the Eagles, and, those te- and the other team is the Vikings. The Eagles happen to beat the Vikings 24-7, to and they outgained them by 222 yards. Look, we're all willing to sort of look past issues that the Buffalo Bills are having, right? Because we know how good they are, how talented they are. But they've had a couple off weeks this year. The Eagles have had none. Let's put some respect on their name and, and sort of give credit where uh, it's deserved. The Eagles are loaded, absolutely loaded. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what? wait a minute. What? So... I asked you for your number one takeaway from a Sunday in the NFL. The Eagles played on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Since then, your baseball team lost two more games and has been knocked out of the World Series unceremoniously, leaving you cranky and hate-tweeting the manager. And I ask you for a take on a Sunday in the NFL, and you bring up the Eagles, who haven't played in five days and beat the Houston Texans in a sloppy game that stunk anyway. That's, That's even worse. That's the worst take. 
that we will get on this show today. You know, we have a show called First Take. Hembo just gave us Worst Take. <laughs> Nuno, I come to you. What's going on, Nuno? <laughs> Not much, Greeny. Not, Not much, much ever is. All exactly. right, what's your number one takeaway from the end? Don't say the Giants who had a bye for crying out loud. <laughs> no, but this will this They will practiced be, hard. <laughs> they practiced hard. This will be about me, though. As I'm watching all these games this weekend, specifically the NFC teams, my I have to hope that either Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins ends up being the one that that doesn't allow the Eagles and Cowboys to be in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Like, my dreaded scenario of Cowboys-Eagles NFC Championship game will come down to, like, Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins making big plays. And I have more confidence in Geno than Kirk Cousins. I- I'm not 100% sure Geno Smith right now isn't, like, the third-best quarterback in the yeah. NFC. He is playing great. And as I say, because there were only two games on at that point, I watched both of them. Uh, Geno Smith is playing really, really well. All right, uh, Bubba, again, your team also had a bye this weekend. Yep. What was your take from the Sunday? Well, two things. One, I'm, I'm with you on Justin Fields now, and I'm kind of mad at myself because I've been kind of thinking the same thing you you were saying with Trevor Lawrence since freshman year, but I've just been scared to say it, so I've been kind of – but I'm with you now. Fields is, is, is better than Lawrence. He's right there. But my take is Josh McDaniels is lucky Al Davis is no longer alive because he would be fired right now. I mean, the games they lose are ridiculous. What is the stat on 17-point leads they've blown this year? I'll give you a minute to look that up. I saw it as I was coming in this morning. They have, I want to say they've lost three games this year that they led by 17 points, which is, which is like something that basically never happens in the National Football League. We'll let Hembo find those. And, and then as we continue, Bubba, I'm going to push the, the, the live read. Because we have to set aside some time. You have the stat? What yeah. is it? So the Raiders are 1-3 in three this year when operating with a lead of at least 17 points. The rest of the NFL is 44-2 and two in yeah. those games. I mean, they, they've lost three out of four games in which they had a 17-point <laughs> <laughs> lead. And yesterday, right at the beginning of the game, Devontae Adams is going crazy. Like, I'm playing fantasy, daily fantasy against him. Devontae Adams had 34 fantasy points, like, in the first eight minutes of regulation, and then I don't know what happened. Did he just stop playing? Well, you played against Adams and Mixon? I played. You want to hear my day yesterday? No. I played against Adams, Mixon, and Justin Fields. <laughs> Like, if you play this, then, then if you know the, the way it works, it, like 150 is a good score. Yeah. Like, the guy I played against was way over 200, and we were still, like, in the early third quarter of the early games. <laughs> it was, like, that was, like, a wow. million-dollar entry, and, uh, and not mine. All right, as we roll along, Hembo will receive the penance he unquestionably deserves. Plus, we will see if we think that the most incredible stretch of dominance of all time is officially over. Those and more on the way. It's a Monday. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. All right, we are uh, back and rolling along on ESPN Radio. Greeny here with the assembled members of the hashtag crew, hashtag Bubba, hashtag Nuno. And now it is time for the penance that is well-deserved for hashtag Hembo. I'm ready. Green light, green light with Greeny. So if there's one thing we all are here, it's fans. And we make no secret who our teams are. I, I, no one, there's literally no one who listens to the show that does not know that I root for the Jets. And Nuno roots for the Giants and the Yankees. And Bubba roots for the Mets and the Cowboys. And Hembo roots for all the Philadelphia teams, particularly the Eagles and the Phillies. And the Phillies are in the World Series. And you smote them. You beat the Phillies. 
So while you're busy hate-tweeting the manager for taking your pitcher out in Game 6 the other night, what you should have been was looking at yourself in the mirror. You need to point a thumb before you point the finger. I repeat, or I, I take everyone back. First, Hembo, game one of the World Series, at a wedding, watches the game on his phone. They win in miracle fashion. Game two, comes home, watches on a TV. They lose. We tell him he has to watch game three on his phone. He does. They hit five home runs. He then gets cocky. Not only does he watch game four on the television in which his team gets no hit, but he also comes on here and says this. The Phillies are going to win the series. The Phillies have the starting pitching advantage tonight. Aranola going in game four. He's going to win tonight. The Phillies also have their two best relievers that they did not use yesterday, Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado. And then game five at Citizens Bank Park. Noah Syndergaard is likely to make that start for the Phillies against Justin Verlander, who, as we learned yesterday, just so happens to be the worst starting pitcher in the history of the World Series. They're going to burn that place down tomorrow night. Phillies in five. So, literally everything you said was wrong. All the things you said were wrong. They got no hit in that game. For, no hits. They got zero hits. They didn't get one hit, two hits. They got zero hits. Then Justin Verlander dominated them, bouncing back from the abyss. That can only happen because of forces greater than ourselves. And that force, Hembo, was you. So what do you have to say for yourself to everyone in Philadelphia that you let down and you have the gall to be hate-tweeting the manager? I'll never forgive him taking Zach Wheeler. This series was lost long before Rob Thompson pulled Zach Wheeler in the sixth inning of Game 6 Saturday night in Houston. What do you have to say for yourself? I'm sorry. The Phillies losing this series is my fault and my fault alone. Of that I can admit. I got arrogant early in the series because the Phillies took a two games to one lead, and I lost myself. I mocked the baseball gods. Right? And that's something that I should never do. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. Like, tradition, like, I love that stuff. And I cheated it. I cost the Phillies a chance to win a championship. I'll never forgive myself for the rest of my life. That does not mean that the Phillies kept up their end of the bargain, nor does it mean the manager did. But I'm willing to take full responsibility for the Phillies blowing that lead and ultimately losing the World Series. Against my better judgment, and this is Greeny live every day from the seaport. We're brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to kill the manager. Go. Well, Rob Thompson's decision to remove Zach Wheeler from the sixth inning of that game after throwing 70 pitches is going to go down as one of the all-time gaffes in the history of the World Series. In my judgment, Greeny, it is the worst managerial decision that I have seen since Grady Little elected not to pull Pedro in Game 7 of the 2003 American League Championship Series. Why? Because Zach Wheeler is your best pitcher. He has been baseball's best pitcher over the last two seasons at 70 pitches. He's sitting at 97 miles per hour. He had not been challenged. Jordan Alvarez is coming up, who famously destroys left-handed pitching, destroys left-handed velocity, and you, Rob Thompson, got exactly what you deserve. You operated in fear. It was obvious to anyone watching in 2003 that Pedro was done. It was obvious to anyone watching that game on Saturday night that Zach Wheeler was not. So, that's uh, your justification for what happened. Now we come to Bubba. So, Bubba, you are among other things, a veteran of Mike and Mike, and thus you will recall that on the old show, we, w- we would have to do things. With Mike and me, it was usually, we would be paying off a wager on the bracket, and, you know, we would have to do, like, stupid punishment. Like, terrible things would happen to us, um, you know, because we would lose, in those cases, we would lose a bet. And over the years, you've seen it. I milked a cow, which defecated on me, which is, de- I've had better days. 
Um, and then, you know, whatever. I sang and Mike got his legs waxed. And any, Do you believe that, that this actually rises to the level of Hembo serving some sort of actual penance? I, I mean, I think if he wants to get back in the good graces of the, the gods and theoretically Philly fans, then yes. So I think we need to order that Altuve jersey now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wears it for a week on set. I think not a week. Well, yes. And not only that, but we have to get you some sort of like electric buzzer that goes underneath it. Right. No, no, not only not only we have to have like an arrow that says, like, here's the press my buzzer or whatever it is. Um, I I, I like this idea. Altu is is that the the player you hate the most on that team? He's the center of it. So so what do you think? Nuno? an Altuve jersey for Hembo. I like it. But let's rig also that buzzer so that Bubba, myself and obviously you have the ability to shock him just through (laughs) one. the show oh like when your dog has like an electric fence and you're like teaching it not to go running out into the street from your house yes 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 i like this plan there's just it's not possible to be a worse fan than i am it's not possible i cost my team a championship arrogantly tweeting stats and changing my behavioral patterns and here all i can do is rip the manager see so lame what i did yesterday just by so no argument here yeah i mean what 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 is amazing to me is that you're pointing this out ex post facto. Yeah, I want to give you like a role model. So yesterday, or no, over the course of the last week, you came on this radio show and on Twitter, super public forums, and I mean, absolutely spat in the face of the baseball gods. Plus, you had something that was working watching the game on your phone, right. and you didn't. Yesterday, I'm by myself in my house. I had to pee the entire second half and didn't. I sat on my couch alone and did not, would not budge until that last fourth down pass fell harmlessly incomplete. That's how you be a fan, you doofus. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.